Oh, they're coming in fast. Hi, friend! You- you got here awful fast. Try not to break the chair. Oh, okay. Alright. I did not realize that you were so eager for today's episode. Let me get right to it, shall I? Not waste any more time or dilly-dally. Again, thank you all for coming and joining us on this story, and thank you all for everything that you're doing. We really love and appreciate you. Yes, all right, all right, I'll get to it. <clears throat> Article 19, Part 2, The Rose of the Atabayan. The first thing we see is the view from the cliff. We see the dark water out ahead. We see the black sky, and we see the faintest outline of a black ship against a black horizon. The camera turns and darts back to the house. The darkness of the storm seems to almost smother as we enter into the house through a small opening. Only when we enter Sedona's room does the camera slow down and seem to sit in a corner. We see Jesse holding his mother's hand, his face a pale mask of worry. And in the flash of lightning, we see that they are not the only ones standing in the room. E Let's go and stands back up. We catch the glimpse of a shadow, with arms folded, and with the residual flickers of lightning, we can see bone white gleaming from certain places on their body. Jesse, from that shadow, you hear an all-too-familiar voice. Ah, no need to stand on ceremony, lad. I'm not here for you. What deal did she make with you? One for one. And in another flash of lightning, he is gone from the corner, standing next to Sedona's bed, outstretching an arm to put a hand over her face. Oh, dear God, okay. Like a strike of lightning, Bramble is unsheathed and is going to his arm. As the edge of the blade lays against Jonah's bony wrist, he laughs. Is one not enough for you, boy? I'll humor ye, but I'm curious. After taking my hand, what is it you plan on doing? Jesse reaches out. I want to trade. <laughs> I've no want or need for whatever you're given. I've come to take what's mine, and you'll get nothing back. A life. One for another. Ah, oh, now ain't that a sweet thing. Like mother, like son. But deal's a deal, lad, and you can't offer me something I can't take. And besides, the life you offer has to be worse than hers was. She's done mighty terrible things, and I'm in need of a new captain. I have a name. Evan. Oh, and what name be more terrible than the Rose of the Atabayan, Jesse? Evan, I'm about to be so fucking pissed at you. <laughs> Sorry, Pat. Samuel Flint. There it is! Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. There's another gleam of white as Jonah grins. And finally, the skeletal hand retracts, and he thinks a moment as he strokes the singed stubble on his chin. I'll tell you what. Bring me Flint, 
and ye can have the rose. A fair and honest trade upon delivery of goods, savvy. A fair and honest trade for a man who's more of a devil than you are. Hmm. And that skeletal hand lowers to reach out across Sedona's body, each finger flexing for the handshake. Do we have an accord, Captain? <sighs> yeah. That's right, Andy grasps Jonah's hand. A deal's a deal. Jesse, the devil Jonah clasps your hand in a tight, almost crushing grip and shakes once, and the laughter seems to be coming from all around you. It trails off into thunder, and the thunder trails into nothing. And as suddenly and as violently as it came about, the storm has stopped. Oh, mother, what have I done? And then Sedona gasps as if she's been held underwater for too long. It's okay. Breathe, it's okay. Jesse? You're gonna be alright. Mijo, what happened? I made another deal. Jesse, your mother grabs your hand, and she's shaking. All of the color has left her, and her eyes are wide with fear. And at the same moment, Wayland returns. What happened? What's going on? Is she alright? Are you okay? Sedona clutches her heart with her free hand and collapses to the bed. Oh, God. Klaus. He is already past you and moving and ushers you both to leave. Do I get a hero point for that? You absolutely get a hero point for saving a soul from the devil Jonah. Hell yeah. The camera is looking at a cuckoo clock on the wall. Hours have gone by. Jesse is sitting in his mother's seat in the living room, probably bouncing his leg or wringing his hands, waiting. Wayland, what are you doing? Cleaning his gun. Okay, makes sense. Klaus finally steps out of the room. He attempts to close the door behind him, but since the lock is broken, it will not shut entirely. Jesse stands up. She okay? For now. She needs to rest. And Klaus stands there with a grim mask on his face. No smiles, no joking. Entirely serious. What, what, what happened? Jesse, it appears that your mother is suffering from a broken heart. And while it is mostly reserved for poets, it is a true medical condition. And it can be fatal. He goes pale. Unfortunately, there is not much that can be done. There is no medicine that I can administer or treatment that can heal it. I have done all that I can do for her. Thank you, Klaus. You're welcome, Jesse. And he leaves the cabin. Sedona's life is going to be hanging in the balance until the deal is done. She won't die, but she's constantly on the brink. F. It's a stupid question, but worth asking. How are you doing? Not great. Jesse, I saw the Black Freighter sailing for this island, and then it vanished. While you were away, I I looked through her notes. She made a deal, Wayland. Do we know what kind? Do we know why? Do we know what it was? What it was I'm clearly for her life, but Wayland, I I did it for my son, says Sedona's voice from the door. You both turn and look, and she is leaning heavily 
against the frame. No, 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 no. Mr. Kansa. He goes over. I am fine. You are really not. No, you need your rest. I need to explain myself. And you help her over to her seat in the living room. You get her settled, blanket over top of her, make her as comfortable as possible. Jesse, she looked weathered and old when you met her at the door. She's only aged since then. One for one. What do you mean, one for one? A life for a life. Miho, they found you five years ago. They meant to kill you. In my desperation and partial insanity, I begged the devil to help me. So I made a deal. Your life would be spared, and he would have mine instead. And now that I have gotten to see you one last time... You're gonna be okay. I promise. Miho, you can't deny the devil his due. I'm sorry. Shut. Is there anything that we can do? Yes. One for one. Sedona's eyes begin to widen again. Waylon looking at Jesse, and I imagine the look on his face, and just knowing that grim determination. That is the best way you could have possibly put it, is grim determination. Realization hitting Wayland. Jesse, what did you do? One for one. One soul for another. Yeah, no, I got that. Who's? Jesse. Jesse, I don't deserve this. Yes, you do. Not after all I've done. I know. But allow me this one kindness. Jesse, what have you done? I make my own mistakes. No, no, my son, what have you done? And she takes your right hand in hers. Miho, why did you do this? To escape from the ATC. After I was branded a pirate, the Rose was hunted, and we fled. My last crew and I. My desperation was too great. I had gone so far. I pulled us onto uncharted waters, and he looks to his mother. We ended up in the seventh sea. No wind. No movement in the ocean. And we fell to madness. Oh, Jesse. He raises his right hand. Wayland, a pirate, is meant to be free. This is what I thought freedom was. God damn it, Captain. You trust me, Wayland? Yes, Jesse, I trust you. I just worry. You sound like my mother. We've got quite a bit in common. I have to right that mistake. How are you going to do that? And I swear to fucking God, if you say one for one, one more time, I'm going to slap you. Didn't offer myself. Wayland depresses a little bit. Good. That is certainly what I was hoping to hear. Breathe easily. You'll be fine. It will all be fine. Just need information. I'm slowly gaining more control over this gift. Sedona rests, still holding your hand, Jesse. And then her brows furrow, and she looks at you with a quizzical glance, then looks back down at the hand, and then looks back up at you. Miho. There's only been one other person on record who has made out well in a deal with Jonah. I know. I'm not going to be turned into a tyrant like her. If you can find out what she did, the extent of the deal, then you can try and figure out how it is that she... And then Sedona coughs softly as she is starting to get more excited. He places a hand on her shoulder. She rests again and... Perhaps we can trick him. Catch him off guard. During a deal, a soul is shared. Meaning that I... He looks at his hand. Hold a part of Jonah. Huh. 
That's our key. Your mother pats your arm three times. And that's a sign that she's very proud of what you've just done. Almost as if a silent saying of, There's my boy. That's it. Well done. Forgive my ignorance. Who's the other individual? Reese. Oh, Lord. Find Reese. Get our answers. I have some choice words as well. Now, no one has seen the Crimson Roger for many years, but I hear the Red Ghost is back in town. She sure is. As we saw her, she was uh, beached and blown open like a can. Jesse, your mother looks at you with a raised eyebrow. I like this one. He's funny. <laughs> That's why I keep him around. Amongst many other reasons. And not so bad on the eyes, either. Oh, flatter me, Miss Naganza. Jesse, your mom gives you that mom look of like, is is this, are we, are you? Mom, stop. I wear a glove, not a ring. Not yet, anyway. Well, just laughing and shaking his head. Annabelle would be very disappointed. Annabelle? Wayland looking at Sedona, looking back at Jesse, looking back at Sedona, and then both of them lean in. Go on. Something you need to tell me, Miho? Picked a nice place to settle down. She notices your deflection, but says nothing about it. It certainly has its perks. Don't go south of the mountain. That's um the dark part of the island, right? That way, he points. See, si, Miho. Yeah, it's pretty spooky out there. You don't know the half of it. That's true, because we only came from that half. He points back to where they came from. Well, he just smiles and looks at Jesse. I have charted it, if you wish to see. Jesse suddenly has a look of recognition and opens up his coat and starts rifling through one of the pockets. And he pulls out a rolled piece of parchment. He slides it towards her. Jesse, what did you just hand your mother? It's the charter. She takes it and unrolls it and looks at it curiously. Why is this? Why is what, Mio? Look closer. She sighs, asks for the glasses back, which you give her. She puts them on and rolls out the charter onto the table, grabbing a paperweight from the left. And Luciana actually flits down to sit on the right corner. Oh, yeah, yeah, that she's having a hard time. It's like the paper starts rolling up on her. She's like, no. <laughs> she finally stabs her beak into the corner and floofs up her feathers in triumph. You tell it, Lucy. And then your mother reads the charter. She gets all the way down to the bottom and then raises an eyebrow. I see. Derekunbo says he's never seen anything like that happen before. How exactly did it happen? A chart has merged. Did you see it? Seen paper be shorn apart. Hadn't seen it be put together like that before. Jesse, be a dear. Grab me that scroll right there. Oh my god. Does she have a charter that has our names on it? Jesse, you go over to where your mother pointed, find the scroll, bring it back to her, and she opens it and lays it on the table over top your charter. On the top, does it say La Rosa Salvaje? It does, in fact. A wild rose. See, si. this is the ship that... Your mother pauses, swallows, then continues. The ship that I used to chart all my maps with. Interesting. Upon closer inspection, the first thing that both of you notice is that it is not a blood charter. It is a simple, 
handwritten charter. There are very few articles, and through a quick read-through, it is mostly about exploring and map-making, and about the costs of such things, and if anything should befall any of the crew members, what should be done. The most important article is what should happen with new information, new places, new treasures, and the knowledge there is split between going to the Explorer Society and the Invisible College. There is, of course, an addendum that any of the local traditions must be followed. Therefore, if something is found that is sacred to, let's say, the Rahuri people, it stays with the Rahuri. Are our names on that charter? When you look down at the area with the signatures, it's mostly blank. However, there are impressions of signatures that used to be there, almost as if they have been erased or removed somehow. There are only three names on that charter. So our names are not on the charter. But they are. Oh, what? The first name is Sedona Nakansa as captain, and then Jesse Nakansa, except all of your name is there. All of it. And finally, Wayland Greywall is there. What about the signatures of our Rose, like Cosette and Mama Coco and all them? Are they not on this charter? They are not. Interesting. Well then, now I'm more confused than I was before. And I was wildly confused. Huh. Let me see if I can help with that. You both know that when you sign a charter using the blood ritual, you give a piece of yourself over. Not to a piece of paper, but to the ship itself. And since blood is the life of all things, you have essentially given the ship a bit of life in doing so. Now, we originally did not use the ritual. We had no idea the ritual existed. We simply just wrote a charter, as any new ship should. When we signed La Rosa Blanca's charter in blood, it automatically made this a blood charter. Jesse, you are my son. You are my flesh and blood. Therefore, it makes sense for your name to be here. Yes. And you? And Sedona turns to look at Wayland. There must be some kind of strong bond between you and my son for your name to show up here. I must trust you a great deal, and the Charter knows that. Do forgive me for pointing a pistol at you. I left those clues for my son, and my son only. So when you arrived with my son, I thought that your intentions were ill. No, I I don't blame you entirely. <laughs> Figure if a strange man showed up to my door with my son, I'd also have some questions. Especially if I didn't tell anybody else where I lived, so... So I guess I trust you that much, huh? I guess you do. Don't fuck that up. You're doing fine. I'll do my best. <laughs> Jesse sticks his hand out to Wayland for high five. Wayland returns it. Question really quick about charters. Go on. If a ship is destroyed and all but one of its crew survive, and yet the names are all still there, what does it mean? Mm. That is a cursed charter. Thank you. Sort of confirms what I already knew, but thank you. Have you by chance heard of the ship, the Widow? Yes. I. We have her sails, actually. The Widow's Veil. Sedona blinks once, 
then twice, then pinches the bridge of her nose between her fingers. Should we not have her sails? She takes the glasses off and gives you both a look. That motherly look of, I cannot believe you've done this. Oh, honey. It's that picture of Daenerys aggressively smiling. Yes, it is. We bought it in Makara from a nice old lady. Of course you did, Mio. She puts the glasses back on her face, sighs heavily, and just tries to continue. All right, well, the next time that you are in the bucket of blood, ask Ida de Kumbo to find it for you. A charter? See, it is still hanging. Oh. Every charter since the first one was written is there. You may have to dig a little deeper to find the old ones. For those listening, Evan keeps leaning closer and closer to the microphone. He is very intrigued by what I've just said (laughs) and wants to know more. Uh, He knocks his mic aside (laughs) and is giving me the Willy Wonka lean. Come on. (laughs) Oh my god. Should we head into the writer's room for this? Since we're dealing with cursed charters and some lore that we don't know about? Writer's room. Jesse being Jesse, he spent a lot of time at the Bucket of Blood. He probably spent a lot of time staring at the wall charters. Would he have seen... The Widows? Yeah. When you were younger. Littler. When you were a kid. You must have walked by it and saw, I don't know, maybe the W for the Widow was very pretty and swirly and distracted you a little bit and you were reading it and Idetokumbo may have shooed you away to... Go do something more productive. Oh, all of the... Oh, man, the charter. He didn't understand it then, but... Oh, the articles? Were her vows written in blood? Oh, no. Yikes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, God. So what makes them look different when they're cursed? Is it just like the paper themselves? It really depends on the nature of the curse. Oh, okay. We can decide right now if you want for the widow. Is it all like see-through and like ghostly spooky? It could be that. It could be that the paper itself is sheer, like the, the veil, veil. Or the paper is soaked as if tears are constantly falling on it. Yeah. Oh, I think it's got to be sheer. And we know from the Maelstrom, there was a black mark next to the captain's name for every single crew member, and all of them were erased. Well, that just means that they've been marked. That doesn't necessarily mean it's cursed, right? Well, technically, yes and no. So, the charter itself is cursed with the black spots, but the person who broke the charter is the one who has the black spot. That's why there were black spots next to the captain's name. So that captain did something terrible. It's the black spot curse, basically. That's what that means. Is the maelstrom cursed? Oh, it's doubly cursed. Got it. Yeah, what would the maelstroms be? Oh, it's made of, like, that crusty coral bit. Like, it's got it at the edges. Yep, that makes sense. And while we're on the topic of charters, cursed or not... I want to take this time to go over what we've established for the legend of charters in this game. So if a ship is sunk and all of her crew are killed, the charter burns on the wall at the Bucket of Blood, and therefore from existence entirely. 
We know this from session zero. Now we know that's because you've given the ship a life of its own by sharing a piece of yourself with it. Each color flame marks a specific cause of death. Blue flames are the most common, and unfortunately it's extremely difficult to nail down exactly what the cause of death might be. We all know that everyone must die and the ship must sink. And usually these are chalked up to attacks at sea between rival ships, or from the ATC, or from a terrible storm, or from running aground. Multitude of things can happen out at sea. So blue flames are the most common. Green flames mean the sea has claimed what belongs to her. A monster of the Atabayan has taken down the ship and the crew, or the sea herself. Red flames are a mark that the ship and her crew have been victims of the Crimson Fleet. Black flames do not devour the charter, but change it into a cursed version, which cannot be removed from the wall by any means. Most assume it's because of the devil, but no one actually knows what happens. A cursed charter has some small indication on what exactly the curse is. For example, we just went over the widows. Her paper is sheer and see-through and seems to always be stained with tear spots. And the last color of the flames is white. They are extremely rare, but a charter that burns white means all the souls on that ship have been saved, or were pure enough to be accepted into the afterlife. They do not go to the Devil Jonah. Which is what every sailor believes. You go out to sea, you're going to be taken by the Devil sooner or later. Also, for clarification, we have talked about if you hold a piece of the old ship, say, La Rosa Blanca sinks, and you manage to salvage a piece of her and put her on a new ship. So long as at least one member of the crew is still alive and a piece of the ship still remains, the charter will not burn. However, as we've learned, if a ship with the same name already exists and has a charter, they will merge. Any crew member still living when the merger occurs will be transcribed into the new single charter. Any crew members who have retired or have passed on will not be written onto the new one. So, we now know some new things about charters. Yay! <laughs> Sedona rolls up the charter, looks at it in her hands for a little while, and then moves to stand up. No. No. She pays no mind to your protests and walks over to the hearth, which has embers crackling in it. And her hand slowly lowers to put the charter in the fire. Uh, Ooh, hey now. No. Why not? It is very clear to me the path that you have chosen. And it is not this. This is what I would have wanted you to do. But you have chosen the cutlass over the compass. That's not entirely true. I am an explorer. My son, you cannot be an explorer and a pirate at the same time. I am. No one in the Atabian can tell me that I can't. Me, oh, it's one or the other. You either dedicate your life fighting for your causes and your beliefs, or you dedicate every waking moment to finding something new. I dedicate my life to freedom for myself and those around me. And I do that in whichever way I please. You sound just like me when I was younger. With all due respect, Miss Nakonsa, if the past dictated the future to the letter, the world would have ended a long time ago. 
I suppose you're right. She comes back over to the table and sits down in her chair and hands you the charter, Jesse. Do with it what you like. Jesse's going to put it back where she grabbed it from. What happened to the wild rose? Hidden away. Why? In case I ever wanted to go back. Jesse kind of leans over to Waylon jokingly. Uh, we could add her to the fleet now, couldn't we? <laughs> oh, it's ever-expanding. When you both look back to Sedona, she has her eyes closed, her head in her hands, and she appears to be taking deeper breaths. She looks as tired as she feels. Jesse does notice how exhausted she is, and will quietly motion to Waylon for help to move Sedona back into bed. And you both help her to the bed, get her settled. And she falls asleep pretty much instantly. And the camera dissolves to black as we watch Jesse leave a kiss on his mother's forehead and leave her to rest. And we're going to do a little bit of a time skip here. Two days have gone by since the events of that night. Jesse, where have you been? What have you been doing? There are probably points throughout the two days where his mom would be so exhausted that he kind of put her down to sleep and would head back to the ship and kind of debrief and reconvene with everybody and keep them updated. Get a general idea as to how people were feeling. General captain stuff. Also general son looking after his mom stuff. Like a good son should. So when you wake up on the second day, are you in your quarters or are you at your mom's? To give him some comfort, he probably woke up in his quarters. The sunlight is just streaking through your windows. We can see the little motes of dust slowly drifting in the air. The camera pans down to see Luciana on a perch near the window. She has her beak underneath her wing, and she's all floofed and sleepy. She flits her wings out in her sleep, and a very, very tiny feather floats down. And we follow that feather as it lands on the very tip of Jesse's nose. We pan down to see him lying in the bed, just starting to wake up. Jesse, your dreams have been extremely odd. Memories are starting to come flooding back. The first day you dreamed about your life as a kid, on the rose, with your mother, exploring new things. You remember seeing that fountain, surrounded by roses. Unfortunately, that's the only thing that you remember. But then you remember sailing on the sea and being with the crew. Royce was in some of those dreams, acting much like a grandfather to you. And then last night, your dreams were of an entirely different scene. You were in a house, being raised by these two very well-to-do people, a man and a woman with their younger daughter, in a very proper household. Whenever you asked about your mother, they politely pushed you to think of something else. They didn't raise you as one of their own, per se. I won't say neglected. You were well taken care of but you definitely weren't the favorite child. And as you're sitting there trying to remember these lucid dreams, there's a small knock on your captain's quarters door. Uh, who is it? It is Cosette, Captain. Uh, uh, give me a moment. He gets up. He just like his big, extra big stretch. Oh, oh God. He gets his stuff on. He doesn't put on his coat. He doesn't put on his belt. Uh, Come in. The door opens. Cosette takes a small step and then a heavy step and closes the door behind her. 
and brushes the ruffles out on her dress. Bonjour, Capitaine. Good morning. I hope I did not wake you. No, uh, Lucy did that for you. He holds up the little feather, places it down on his nightstand. <laughs> the world's tiniest quill. Actually, that's, yeah, you're not wrong. How are you? Did you sleep well? Um, I'm okay. I slept well, actually, surprisingly. That is good. Dreams, you know. Good ones, I hope. But when I was younger. Ah. Remind us. Oui. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. That's good to hear. How are you? Here, Cosette pauses. Um, may I speak freely, Captain? You may. She shifts her weight uneasily, almost as if it pains her to do so. He scurries over to one of the chairs at his table and pulls it out. Oh, there is no need for you to be so polite. It's a... Legacy, Cosette. She nods, takes a soft step and a heavy step. But Jesse, you notice her heavy step is extremely labored. It takes an extra long time for her to walk the small length between the door and the chair. When she goes to sit, normally she is very proper about it. She flattens out the back of her dress and sits very slowly and calmly. As she takes a seat now, she sits very abruptly. There's a hiss that is hidden behind a sigh, and her hands absentmindedly begin to rub the connection at her thigh. Jesse sits next to her. <sighs> Jesse, I am not well at all. What do you mean? Well, ever since seeing the red ghost and my mother, I have been waiting impatiently. I don't know what for. Perhaps some kind of sign for her to show up or... Something nefarious, of course. But, as you know, nothing has happened. And I have not gotten any word. I am not well in the sense that I am getting anxious. I am unsure if it is safe for me to be here anymore. If it's safe for you. She instantly corrects herself. If any of us are safe anymore. Does she still have her hand massaging her leg? Oh, she has not stopped. He reaches out and... Grabs her hand very gently. Miss Cosette, look at me, darling. She holds your hand, and hers is, of course, tiny in yours, and looks up at you. We? Oui? And I know you're worried. You have every right to be. Whatever happens, we'll get through it. I suppose so. Tell me about the worst day you've ever had. She sighs heavily, and there is such a weight to it that you can almost feel the air in the room change. And she looks down at her leg. Does Jesse know the story? No. Well, not the real story. She's given every other possible story. A fish took it. She got into a fight over money at the bucket of blood once. Any other story she could tell. And she's always laughed when she's told it. The classic, oh, I fought a bear. Exactly. As you know, I was born to a noble family in Montaigne. That automatically meant that there was a chance that I could be gifted with the sorcier. And of course that meant at a very young age I was trained. Whether I was going to become a sorcier or not, that would come when I turned 18. But I needed to know everything I could before then. It is a tricky and delicate magic. 
you are opening a wound in the world, and so you must know how to mitigate its pain. And you must know the rules. Now, there are three rules you must remember. Rule number one, you should never open your eyes in the walkway. There are things there that should not be seen. The second, when you walk, you do not listen to any of the voices. They will only mislead you. The third and final rule, when you are walking with a sorcier, for those who are not trained, you must never let go of the hand. If you do, you will become lost. There is very little hope for anyone who gets lost in the walkway. So, five years ago, I turned 18, and that was the day I was to be given the test to see if I could open a portal on my own. With my mother's guidance and my father's blessing, I did it. And it worked. Cosette's eyes glaze over, and she is still facing you, Jesse, but she's not looking at you anymore. Because it was my first time, my mother walked with me, and after walking for what seemed like hours, she let go of my hand and told me to find my way home and left me alone. Jessie holds her hand a little tighter. I was alone for what felt like years until finally I heard music coming from another sorcerer's spot. I pushed him out of the way and leapt through his opening, but not fast enough. He shut it on me before I was all the way up. She composes herself and wipes underneath her eyes with her free hand. So I escape, but the walkway has a piece of me forever. Cassette, you made it through that day. The hardest day you've ever lived. You lived through it, and you made it here. That doesn't give you any kind of hope. I'm not sure what can. She smiles and nods and squeezes your hand slightly. I'm not telling you not to be worried. But I am telling you, you are not alone. We are with you. The rose is your home, and the rose has you. You know that. We, oui, I am very grateful for that. And he holds her hand tighter. My dear, I won't let you go. Cosette blushes so hard that her ears turn red, and she tries to hide it with her other hand as she's rubbing underneath her cheeks. Mercy. He nods. And, <clears throat> for the record, her hand squeezes yours a little bit tighter. I won't let you go either, mon capitaine. Us. She smiles. Legitimately. Not a fake one. We'll find her, and we'll do whatever we need to. Okay? Oui, capitaine. When she stepped into your quarters a moment ago, she was very grim and unsure. Now, she sits up straight sighs with relief, and straightens out her dress a little bit. Very much business as usual for her. In the meantime, do we have a plan? Honestly, I'm not sure. I, I'm going to speak to my mother again and, and see what else I can glean from all of this. Then we will all patiently wait for your next orders, Captain. I'll try not to be much longer. Cosette squeezes your hand again and with her other hand pats the top of it. Jesse, take as long as you need. We will all wait until you're ready. 
Thank you. You're welcome. I will inform Mama Coco that she can continue fishing for the time being. Might want to tell her she's got the helm. <laughs> and if she doesn't want it, Charles has it. But of course. And as Cosette walks away with her soft step and her heavy step, she has the grace and dignity that you remember her having. Though there is always that limp. I'll see you later. As he continues to get dressed, he puts on the now altered coat of his mom. Sword belt, sashi has bramble sheathed. He puts his hat on and wakes up Lucy. Lucy shivers and twitters softly and flits over to your hat and continues to sleep. <laughs> you have to get up at some point, little one. There are soft, protesting cheeps. Yes, he's used to. All right. Ten more minutes. Before Jesse leaves, he takes some time to shave. Okay. Mm. Yeah, he's had a little bit of a beard growing because they've been busy. He's getting himself some wax and he's uh, cutting everything down except for a curly mustache and a little spot under his bottom lip. He's going to use the wax to get a curl going so he has that cleaned up look. Going to see his mouth. He heads out of the quarters and waves to everybody, good morning, and heads up to the cabin. Roz gives you an endless stream of compliments as you walk across the deck down the gangplank, and you feel another pair of eyes on you as you walk, and when you turn, you see Cosette. She gives you an approving nod with a small smile. <laughs> Wayland, where are you? Wayland is probably spending some time walking around the upper part of the island, getting an appreciation for how everything looks. He's probably torn between whether they should take care of Jesse, whether they should take care of Sedona. So probably periodically checking in with everybody, seeing if anybody else wanted to come and see what was going on. Most of the crew find comfort in the ship. While this island is amazing and miraculous, and they did do a little bit of exploring, they usually find their way back to home, which is the ship for them. Elliot is probably ecstatic. Elliot has not been back to the ship. There are small little pop-up tents, no more than two sticks holding up a large canvas. And for the better part of yesterday, Elliot was missing. No one knew where he was, until Wayland, you found a letter saying, went to go explore behind the mountain, be back tonight. And Elliot came back that night, glasses askew, some shredded papers in his hand, covered in swamp muck. And when anybody asked him how it went, he replied, I don't want to talk about it. Nope, don't want to talk about it. Wayland's walking around and checking all of the tents to see where Elliot is. <laughs> this morning, Elliot can be found on top of the cliff. As you make your way up the edge of the cliff that overlooks the rose at sea, he is making tea at his little campsite. Every once in a while, he'll put the quill in his mouth, pour the tea, take the quill out of his mouth, drink the tea, put the quill back in his mouth, look at his notes, fix his glasses. And off at the very edge of the cliff, there seems to be a saucer with some kind of liquid in it and a hummingbird is drinking at the edge of it. As you come across Elliot, who is very absorbed in what he's doing, 
you notice that he's trying to sketch the hummingbird. Waylon's going to ever so quietly come up behind Elliot and put his so, face right yeah. up don't beside move. his head. Now don't move now. Becoming an ornithologist, oh are we? Oh my God. <laughs> Schultz, as if you've shocked him with electricity, he launches the quill out of his hands. The notebook in his lap hits the teacup. The teacup spills everywhere, splashing up onto his face, onto his glasses. Ugh. Hi, Wayland. Cup of tea on me then. Well, on you at the moment, but on me later. I'm going to remember that. He writes down quickly in one of his notes, cup of tea on Wayland for later, puts the quill in the book and closes the book. And while I did major in biology, I I wasn't great at ornithological studies. Birds and I don't really get along. But I was trying to catalog all of the different colors. What's so unique about the colors? Ah, well, fun fact, Wayland, uh, humans, y- you and I, can only see uh, certain shades of colors. Yep, there's a standard color spectrum that we can only see. Red, green, blue, yellow, purple, black, white, etc. All of those colors. Sure. Here, there are shades in between those colors, and shades in between those shades. There are colors here that, that we don't even have names for. Now, of course, these colors aren't anything new, because birds and insects can see them readily. It's just that, for the first time, I'm able to see them. Wayland starts looking around. Wayland, with your eagle eyes, not only do you notice that the shades of color around you are more jeweled or vibrant, there are different colors here. And I was just here trying to catalog some of it, describe it. My words are falling short, so I tried to color it in, and fortunately, hummingbirds are really difficult to draw. And that's not just it. There's so much more all over this island. I I just want to get all of it down. There are certain parts of the island we've been told not to go to that I think you might have stumbled your way into part of. I don't want to talk about it. As you've mentioned, I don't know that we're going to be here much longer. But that doesn't mean we won't be back. We know the way now. While that may be true, I may not be able to return. Uh, not that I don't want to return. That Please don't get my words mixed up. It's that I am a believer of if I can see it now, I should know it now. Because there might not be time later. The Explorer Society might decide to send me elsewhere. How did you find your way into the Explorer Society, by the way? I feel like we haven't talked about that yet. Uh, well, to be completely upfront, Wayland, we haven't talked at all. Fair enough, it's been a immaculately busy time since... It has, in fact, been a time. But anyway, I guess my beginnings are the same as anyone's. Uh, I was born in Avalon. Really? Uh, Yes. You don't sound it. Does everybody need to have an accent from where you're from? Sorry. Anyway, continue. Well, from the moment that I could walk, I was always getting into places I shouldn't. (laughs) And when I was about 12, my mother sent me to learn on a cartographer's vessel around the Glamour Isles. All the while, of course, I was doing my schooling, and when I turned 18, I got accepted to a prestigious school down in Castile. So, for the last couple of years, I've been down there. Until I graduated, two years ago, uh, first of my class and my age bracket, uh, my major being in Sirnith Affairs and my minor being Biology course, because you can't study ancient things without learning modern things. Anyway, 
And thanks to that, I was able to be given a grant to study abroad. Now, since my mothers are a high society of nobility, money was never an issue, so I could go wherever I wanted to. And, of course, rumor came that there was a new place across the ocean to explore, new things to see, new Sirnith ruins hidden deep beneath the ocean, which I am morbidly curious about to explore. I don't know how I'm going to do that yet, but I will. <laughs> and so I found myself down here about a year ago, working for the Explorer Society. I did some jobs here and there, and even picked up a few from the ATC, but they weren't lucrative or exciting. It was basically just a translator's job. They would give me a Sirnith tablet that they couldn't read, and then I'd translate it in less than an hour, and then they'd be like, okay, great, we'll send a missive if we need you again. It wasn't until I practically begged them to take me on the mission to Makaro that I finally got out of an office and saw some real exciting things. This entire time, while Elliot's been going on one of his tangents, Waylon's been making the tea again and just hands him a cup of tea, just so, like, it magically appeared. And without missing a beat, he takes it and sips it. So, that begs an interesting question. Hmm? How do you feel about being on a pirate ship after doing work for the ATC? He practically chokes on his tea. <clears throat> Swallows hard. Oh, no. Pirates, you say? You're... Pirates? Whalen's just, like, all color drained from his face. Elliot? Yes? You seem to be a well-learned individual. I am. How? How did you not know that the White Rose, La Rosa Blanca, was a pirate ship? He looks down in his tea as if he's being scolded. And takes a long sip. It's fine if it's not your focus of study. I understand, but working for the ATC, I figured they would have informed you of who to look out for, <laughs> considering you're in the... At the he almost chokes on his tea again, but this time, it's not out of surprise, it's out of laughter. <clears throat> Waylon, I'm going to ask you to refrain from speaking while I'm drinking. The next time I may just die, and I don't want to die, especially not choking on tea. I don't want you to die either. I'm flattered that you think that I'm so well-known among the ATC that they would tell me the dangers of my missions, or really anything other than what the job was. When I said work for the ATC, what I should have said was I worked with the Explorer Society's branch beneath the ATC. I understand. Sometimes I'd just get a letter saying, we need you here at this place, and they wouldn't give me a budget, and I had to find my own way there. Right. They didn't really tell us anything. I'm sorry, was I supposed to know? Is, is the captain around? No, 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 no. Well, I mean, yes, yeah, but- You're not an infamous pirate ship, are you? Should I really have known this? Well, I guess now's as good as time as any to tell you. Yeah, okay, sure. I mean, all right, maybe if the captain's around, like, pretend you knew the whole time? Of course I knew the whole time. I was not today years old when I found out that La Rosa Blanca is an infamous pirate ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew the whole time. That's that's the reason why I signed up, you know. I like pirates. It's very convincing. <laughs> he takes another sip of his tea and sets it down in a saucer, and his mood kind of shifts, and he looks up at you, Wayland. Um, Master Greywall? You know, you're allowed to call me Wayland. Forgive me if I'm being too bold. Uh, 
I'm not really sure if there's a correct way to ask this question. Since you're a pirate ship, and you are pirates, do you kill people? Waylon runs his hands through his hair and then just puts a hand on their chin and just thinks for a long moment. It's hard, Elliot. It's hard trying to answer that question. I guess the short answer is yes. I mean, we don't carry guns and swords and have cannons on our ship to hunt game. Elliot's expression becomes grim. The long answer to that question is only if we need to. Elliot, ours is not a mission of murder, if you will. And his expression softens, and there's a nod of understanding. The rose stands for freedom, above everything else. Freedom from oppressive forces. Freedom from undue practices across the waves. Freedom from your coffers. Kind of like ribs him a little bit, like gets him to smile. He cracks one, but it's faked. I've never really thought about it, but I guess in that way, I've always sort of looked at us as <laughs> it's the good guys vehemently against the evils of the ATC. I'm not trying to make up your mind for you, Elliot, but make no mistake. Folks who have been in the ATC for any decent amount of time have sacrificed their humanity. They have made monsters of men where the monsters used to swim. And I've seen it firsthand. Elliot is quiet for once. He finishes off his tea, cleans it with a rag that he has in his pocket, puts the teacup and the tea saucer together, and straps it to a leather carrier on his belt. And after a while, he finally speaks. But it's low and a little bit more serious than you've heard from him before. Wayland, I've seen monsters. <laughs> Wayland looks back out to the ocean, considers the kraken that they fought, and looks back at Elliot. And in my travels and my studies, I know that there is a huge difference between monsters and men. Men have morality, a moral compass, if you will, a uh, humanitarian code of conduct, if you want to get that deep into it. And while those compasses and that code might not align with someone else's, at the end of the day, men are still human. Monsters aren't. Man can be reasoned with. Monsters can. They follow their nature. Eat or be eaten. Kill or be killed. Elliot runs a hand through his hair. You, you don't need a lecture. Wayland, what I'm trying to say is that there are true monsters in the world, and evil does exist. But, I don't know, it might just be ignorance on my part. It might be because I'm too young to really understand. I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore, but I, I, I don't think men are capable of that kind of evil. And as he's going on his tangent, his glasses are just slowly falling off the bridge of his nose. As he's stammering, Waylon's going to bop him on the nose ever so lightly and push his glasses up for him. Uh, Elliot. Yeah? It's okay. When you are a member of the Rose, you always have a voice and you always have a choice. All right? Especially with me. Sorry, I just, I usually get cut off by now. 
Nobody really wants to listen to me ramble. I find it endearing. Now, I am envious of you. Uh, envious of me? Why? What have I done? No, 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 no. I'm envious that you have yet to see men become monsters. And he just kind of stares off into the middle distance for a second. Elliot leans in your line of sight. Uh, Wayland? Uh, Sorry. Hi, I'm right here. Right. I agree that that probably can't be true for every member of their vast naval forces. I hope against all reason and rationality that you never will. I hope so too. Although now knowing that I'm on an infamous pirate ship, (laughs) that might make things a little complicated. Elliot is breaking down his tiny campsite. Wayland will probably be assisting with that too. And it's at that point that Jesse walks up the cliff. Good morning, friends. Ah, uh, good morning, sir. Looking debonair this morning, are we? I wanted to try something different. Rather dashing, if I do say so myself. Suits you well. Thank you, Willen. How are you? I'm all right. It's been a long couple of nights. Well, in this humble explorer's opinion, it has not been long enough. (laughs) Elliot, if there's anything I've learned in my time with the Rose is there is never enough time to look. I couldn't agree more with you, Captain. And speaking of looking at things, there is a ship over there that is calling my name. And he's pointing over at the overgrown ship in the middle of the flower field. Don't be too long, Elliot. He puts on his pith helmet and adjusts his suspenders. I hope to be as long as I can. And saunters off. Wayland just shakes his head. That boy, does he understand what he got himself into? He most certainly does. And then under his breath, now. Luciana obscures your vision, Jesse, as she flies from your hat in front of you. Hello. She darts forward a little bit to where Elliot is walking and darts back to you. Looks over at Elliot. Looks back to you. Go ahead. You know where the ship is. She chirrups happily at you and darts off after Elliot. Elliot does not know who Luciana is and does not see her coming and swats viciously at the air. Hey, don't hit my bird. Sorry. I will shoot you. Or worse, I'll get Waylon to shoot you. Does the bird have a name? Her name? You don't know her name. Her name is Luciana. Okay. You can call her Lucy. Kind of came to my attention very recently that we haven't really spent a whole lot of time integrating Elliot into the vault. So, Laura's working on a little bit of that, but you know. He didn't... He didn't know we were pirates, did he? No, he did not. Wonderful. He slaps Waylon on the back and starts heading over to Sedona's house. And you make your way to Sedona's cabin. Now, for the past two days, she's been inside, in bed, resting. This morning, she is outside, sitting on a bench, tending to a rose bush by the door. And now that you've been on the island, the glamour on her has worn off. You see her as Sedona. Buenos dias. Morning, Mum. Miss Nakonza. You're up bright and early. Is something on your mind, Mijo? I wondered... It might be a little difficult, but I was wondering if you wanted to come see the rose. Sedona is in the middle of dethorning the roses, and as you ask that, she stops, puts the shears down next to her on the bench, and looks up at you with a sad smile. 
Me, who I don't think that's very wise. One, because my health is failing me. And two, I, I don't know if my heart can handle it. He walks over and puts his arm out for her. Just take my arm. There is a long pause, and she looks up at you, and eventually caves, and sighs, and takes your arm. And she grabs the cane on the other side of her. He brings her all the way over to the edge of the cliff, and as clear as day, Rose is docked the small pier. Everyone's busy on board. She could see the black flag. There is a look of apprehension as your mother crests the cliff. Her eyes are closed, and when she opens them, she breathes a small sigh of relief. And she takes a long moment to just look at the ship. I see you've done some additions. Well, the good folks of the Atabian are getting smarter. So, we gotta get more guns. Amongst other things, of course. (laughs) She deftly lifts her cane and uses the end of it to point at the sails. And she looks at you with a raised eyebrow. Right. And then her cane lowers to point at the windows of the captain's quarters, where there are literal trees growing between the window panes. Those are new. We had a run-in with the Red Ghosts and their chain cannons. I'm sure you mean the hooks. Not only is the Red Ghost famous for appearing and disappearing out of nowhere, she hooks her prey and drags them wherever it is that she came from. Oh no. Oh, that's what was supposed to happen. Well, they didn't get a chance to do that. I can see that. You are very lucky. You just as beautiful as you remember? A bit. A bit weathered. Your mother gives you one of those mother looks. The one that says, I am very proud of what you've done, but I never saw this for you. And she gives you a warm smile. She is even more beautiful now that you have taken her. And I imagine more fierce. (laughs) She is fierce. I have that to live up to. Your mother turns to you and holds your hand. Miho, I... But before she can finish her sentence, Luciana flits in between both of you and is frantically cheeping. She is darting back and forth, forward and backwards, towards the ship and back to all of you, over and over again. Which ship? The overgrown ship that Elliot went into. Oh no. I'm sure it's fine, right? Wayland's just going to look at Jesse, look at Sedona, and look back at Luciana. Elliot. And then books off running. Uh, yeah, okay. Mom, I'll be right back. And Jesse heads off towards Wayland and Luciana. Halfway, he turns around. Mom. See you, Jesse. Pulls his hat off. And obviously, like, anytime he pulls his hat off, He's got the wind that sweeps through his hair like it always does, and he gestures to his newly cut facial hair. What do you think? You look handsome as ever. Now go! Gives her a wink, puts his hat back on, and continues on running after Wayland and Lucy. The camera stays with Sedona as we watch Jessie run off into the distance, and we hear her say, You look just like your father. And she pulls a locket out from beneath her shirt and presses it to her lips as the camera dissolves to black. I can go ahead and tell you that there is no part three 
to the Rose of the Atabayan. For now, that story is... on hold. There are some more pressing matters to attend to, such as whatever shenanigans Elliot has found. <laughs> and I want to give you all a little bit of a suspenseful break, just so you can chew on all of the knowledge. So, the next episodes will be Notes with the Narrator, Crucial Lore on Monsters, and answering more community questions, which you of course can ask on our Discord. And if you're not a part of our Discord, why aren't you? Go do that. Go fix that. <laughs> it's called simply Hands of the Rose, and the icon is of course our black flag, which is a skull that has rose petals coming out of it. And if you get lost, our link tree is in every description of every article. Until then, we'll see you next time. Be safe and well.